Is that what happens to you when you go leave work and you come back? People are, <laughs> what a blessing. What a great job I got. Um, it is good to be back with you from sabbatical. Uh, I am so grateful for the 12 homegrown preachers that we had preaching through the Ten Commandments. What a blessing to go away and just, uh, you heard some, some great men of God. And I'm grateful to the elders and to the church to have the foresight to make provision for uh, my sabbatical that came at just, just the right time. And as I've told many of you, my, my focus during that time was resting and reflecting, and I spent a lot of time studying the book Revelation, and we'll be preaching through the book of Revelation starting this fall. Next week, we'll start the book of Ezra, but this fall will come the book of Revelation. That should be interesting. By that time, I should probably have it figured out. Not at all. That's a very different. Uh, this morning, I want to I share with you a little bit about what God is teaching me or has been teaching me over the last uh, three, three months, and hopefully you will find it encouraging. If I could sum up what God has been teaching me and uh, what I believe he wants to teach you, I'd put it in the form of a command. And it's, it's going to be really simple. You can write it down if you want. But if I could put it in the form of a command, what God has been teaching me, it goes like this. Seek kingdom priorities. Seek kingdom priorities. God's kingdom is wherever he is reigning as king, and specifically he's reigning as king over his people, and God as king has certain priorities. And since he is my king, he has certain priorities for me. It sounds pretty basic. I'm sure you could have saved me three months by telling me that at the beginning. But this lesson has become hardwired in me over the last three months through a time of pain and prayer through a time of confusion and confession, through a time of anguish and acceptance. Basically, this idea of seek kingdom priorities has emerged through a dark time of insight. Let me just tell you, I know it sounds really good to be gone for three months, you kind of have a break, pull away. But during that time, there's a lot of reflection. And when you start reflecting a lot, just to put it to you bluntly, it, it, I started to see what was inside of me and that my life is filled with a lot of worry and anxiety about the future. I'm sure there's no one in here can relate to that. But my life has been filled with a lot of worry and anxiety about the future. Let me recap a little bit of my worries. So on my sabbatical, I'm thinking, okay, I'm like Moses. I'm going to go up the mountain. God's going to speak to me. I'm going to come down. I'm going to have this vast new revelation for our church on where we should go. But I'm just letting you know, I ain't got nothing. I was a little worried about that. Like, I'm not getting anything here. So I was a little anxious and worried about the future of the church. And then I started thinking about my kids. And like, am I raising my kids right? Am I being too harsh with them or too loose with them? What was I thinking having six kids? How am I going to provide for them? And so I'm a little worried about that. And then as I had time to reflect, I noticed that I'm old. And my, my body is, it's not 
it, it hurts at times. And I thought, it's just downhill from here. And, and my time of reflection, my worries could go on and on. And I'm, and I'm sure many of you can join me with your worries and anxieties about the future. But here's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the Word of God. It's true for me, and it's true for you. And the Word was telling me, and God was telling me, hey, 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 seek kingdom priorities. I'm going to flesh that out a little bit with you today. And, and something, a passage that I return to over and over again, it's about a king, Jesus, and he has a kingdom, and he has certain priorities, and he's crucified and resurrected. He saved me. Maybe he has saved you as well. And he has priorities for us, and he doesn't want us to be choked and worried about our presence or our future. He's, he's saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. Get caught up with me and my agenda, my priorities, what I'm doing in this world. Calm down and seek me. And a passage that was so crucial for me was in the book of Matthew. If you want to turn there, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, it's in, in the Sermon on the Mount. And we preach through the book of Matthew a few years ago, but as our habit of letting other guys preach, I didn't get to preach this passage, so I didn't learn it. So here is my chance of going through this passage in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. It's an amazing passage that many of you, uh, maybe you have memorized, and you return to it again and again, but we find ourselves in Matthew 6. And I, I want to read it to you, so let's go ahead and stand So read this passage. Starting at verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Therefore do not be anxious saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You may be seated. This comes on the heels of Jesus talking about laying up treasures in heaven and not on this earth. And where no one can serve two masters, you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money. And I would say most of you would say, probably it's true, most of you do not serve money. You serve God. But you would say, hey man, I need to eat. Hey man, I need some provision 
in this life. Though God is my master, uh, I still need stuff. And sure, that's true. But if you're not careful, you will have a heart full of worry. So you may not uh, have this lack of faith where you're making money your master, but you may have a little faith because you worry and you're anxious that you won't have enough to live. And the issue here is security. Not just security over your daily necessities, but it spreads out to so much in your life where you're trying to find security in your employment, in your grades, in your majors, or you want security in your relationships. And mainly, most of us, we just be honest, we just want some security in the future. We just want to have our futures kind of nailed down. Just give us a little assurance that everything's going to be okay and to fall into place. And so we, we don't have a lack of faith. And many of us have this little faith. We're like, God... Are you really sure you're going to come through? Because I'm not so sure. And so what Jesus does in this passage, he pushes back against this this little faith, and he says four commands. It's a really simple passage. He says, don't worry. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Seek kingdom priorities. It's It's really simple. Don't worry. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Seek kingdom priorities. And that's where we're going to go this morning. Let's start what he says, don't worry. Look at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will, will, will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. It's pretty sh- clear that you shouldn't be anxious about your, your life, that you shouldn't, um, he's not saying you shouldn't show concern for your circumstances or people or that you shouldn't work hard or study or fulfill your responsibilities, but he's saying that, that you shouldn't be here, you ready for the key thing here? He's, what he's saying is that you shouldn't worry or be preoccupied with your own security. I'm not telling you not to study for your test. I'm not telling you not to do your, 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 your work hard. What he's saying is that don't be preoccupied with your own security. You should not obsess about the daily provisions such as food and drink and clothes because there's more to life than these basic necessities. And these basic necessities uh, were for real for these people. They weren't just living paycheck to paycheck. They were living day to day. So there could be a real cause for concern over food and clothing. And this anxiety and worry We're the focus of the unbelieving world. Jump down to verse 31. Look at verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Gentiles is a reference to the pagans, and they're seeking after security. And this... This clamor and this obsession over security and food and drink and clothing was not just for the ancient audiences, but it's also an obsession of today. If you pop open your social media right now and you start looking through a variety of posts, you will see there is an obsession even today over food, drink, and fashion. I mean, if you just look at it, you'll see people taking pictures of their food. I'm not dogging you. I'm just saying. Taking pictures of what they're drinking, right? Or, or clothes, and, and there's often there's this obsession with these things that bring comfort and security, and sometimes these make statements of wealth and identity. 
Now, there are other obsessions in our culture. Just think about the obsessions in our culture for security. Think about the obsessions of culture for security. When, when my kids started high school, like, it's almost like the first day, the first week, even before they start, what they're talking about in high school is college and cranking out the grades, borderline killing yourself to get into the right college so you can get security. And you think, once you get into college, it ends, right? No. You've got to crank once again because you need the security of the right career, so you must kill yourself in college to get the career. And so what do parents do? We hover over our kids because we want them to have security, maybe the security we didn't have, and so we hover and we have these obsessions. And you'll find in our culture there's lots of obsessions with security pointing toward the future. And Jesus is not against hard work, and he's not against, obviously, his provision for our daily necessities, but he's saying, look, your father knows what you need. Do not obsess or be preoccupied over security and comforts like the unbelieving world, because something more is going on. So if you're stressing out and worrying and being anxious, like those who don't know Jesus, you're missing his point. We really should not be anxious and worried in the same way like those who don't know Christ because we know Christ. And Jesus is saying something more is going on. Did you see it in verse 25? Look at verse 25 again. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on. And here it is. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And you go, well, what is that more than? What are we talking about? We can't obsess here. What's the more than? And it's going to come back to this emphasis on the kingdom, that there is a king, and he is reigning, and he has priorities. And this more than is seeking those kingdom priorities, where we're not finding ourselves obsessing like the culture, but we're finding ourselves looking to him for his priorities. Or to put it to you this way, Turn your worldly preoccupation into kingdom prioritization. Turn your worldly preoccupation into kingdom prioritization. Life is more than the physical necessities and the comforts and securities. And your pushback may be, Look, if I start focusing on kingdom priorities, then who's going to take care of me? If I start following in God's ways, who's going to take care of me and my ways, right? That's kind of like, are you sure you want to do this, God? Because I don't know who's going to take care of me. Jesus addresses that. And at first he says something really complicated. You ready for this? He says, look at the birds. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? The birds don't store up this vast amount of foods, and yet God provides for them. If the Father feeds the birds, he's going to take care of you, for you have more value than they. You're more important than birds. You have been created in the image of God. And let's even push it a little bit further. The Father sent his son, Jesus, to shed his blood on the cross. 
and take wrath in your place so that you can be reconciled to God and forgiven of your sins. Jesus didn't die for the birds. (laughs) He died for you to reconcile you to the Father. Can you imagine God creating you and sending his son to die for you in your place that through faith you can be saved, not good works to get into heaven, but through faith in Jesus, do you think he's going to save you, go to all that trouble to reconcile you to him, and then discard you? I mean, do you really think you have no value? You have value so much so that God is going to care for you, and he wants you to look at the birds and how he makes provision for the birds, and he's saying, look, I saved you by dying for you. I'm going to make provision for you. Do you believe it? In the past, some of the old-time preachers used to say that birds are preachers. I've not studied birds much, but I can actually tell you what they're saying when they chirp. When you hear birds chirping in this uh, semi-spring that we're experiencing... (laughs) That will come to fruition like in mid-July. But when you see birds and you hear birds, this is what they're saying. Stop worrying. Just think about it. Every time you see a bird is chirping outside your window, it's saying, stop worrying. Stop worrying. And there's this old-timey little cutesy poem that those of you may know if you're over 60, I've, I, I've not heard it before, but I'm going to kind of just throw it out here for some of you, all right? It's a little conversation between two birds. You ready for this? Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Boom. (laughs) Yeah. These birds are telling you to stop worrying. And not only are you an object of God's care and concern, but let's just talk practically, okay? Practically speaking, worry is not going to do you any good. Look at verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Worrying will not gain you extra hours on this earth. And there is probably lots of medical evidence that worry can actually cut your hours on this earth. It could tear you up inside and cut your life short. So by worrying and being anxious, you're not going to gain any time on this earth. Let's keep speaking practically. Look at verse 34. Jesus says, hey, practically speaking, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's a good one, because common sense tells you, you have plenty of troubles today. Anybody got troubles today? Yeah, plenty of trouble. You got plenty of problems you got to deal with today. So why even bother to deal with the problems of tomorrow? They're not even here yet. You have issues that you need to deal with today. So that practically makes sense. So theologically speaking, he's saying, don't worry because God values you so much that he sent his son to die for you. He takes care of birds. He's certainly going to take care of you. That's a theological statement. But the practical statement is, is that worrying is not going to gain you time on this earth. And practically speaking, why worry about tomorrow? You got a lot of issues to deal with today. Don't worry. Look at birds. 
But he also says, look at the flowers. Look at the flowers. This is complicated stuff. Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. The flowers are dressed so sharp that not even King Solomon in all of his royal attire could even come close to looking as fancy as these lilies. Look at Jesus' point. Look at verse 30, his point. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the, fu- to the oven, will you not much more clothe you, O you, a little faith? If God clothes the flowers and the grass, which will be thrown into the oven, scorched, pass away, he will clothe you. God values you and will be your security. You know this. It's in the word. This is not the first time you've seen this passage. You know this. I know this. So what's your problem? (laughs) What's my problem? Oh, did you see the root problem there? Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. So it comes back to a faith issue. It's not that there's a lack of faith where you make money your master. It's this little faith where you're not quite sure that God's going to come through. You're not quite sure he's going to take care of your future. You're not quite sure he's going to be there for you. It's the issue of little faith. So that's, that's where the heart is. That's where the heart is. Look, it's okay to have genuine concern about matters of daily living, I'm concerned that this church flourish. I'm concerned that my kids follow Jesus. And I'm concerned that my health stays steady. And I'm going to play my part. And I'm going to pray for this church. And I'm going to raise my kids in Jesus. And I'm going to, by God's grace, make healthy choices. But here's where it crosses the line. It crosses the line when your concerns turn into preoccupations, when your legitimate concerns turn into obsessions, where you start obsessing over these issues in a fretful and anxious mess where you are exhibiting a little faith. Anxiety and worry come down to a little faith issue. And what we need is an increased faith that the Lord's taking care of us, that the Lord's taking care of you. He's got today covered, and he's got tomorrow covered. So you need to start bombarding you with people who can encourage you. Bombard yourself with the word of God. And so I'm going to give you this classic passage that really has carried me. It's probably carried many of you. Maybe you have it memorized. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? You got this memorized? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your way, acknowledge him, and he will make your, your straight, your paths. Do you see the key point here where I kind of think my issue is? It's that part where it says, do not lean on your own understanding. Because a lot of us have an agenda or a thought or a fantasy land the way things are supposed to turn out. And the problem is when things are not turning out that way. I'm sure some of you have a, a, a way it's supposed to work where boy meets girl, 
get married, live happily ever after, right? And some of you are still in that phase where you're ready to boy to meet girl phase, right? You're just ready to go on a date, period. And you're like, that's just not, my understanding is that should be happening now is what you're saying, right? Let's go ahead and move on with that. And then sometimes when that happens, you're thinking, okay, this relationship should go on. That's not always the case. So you're leaning on your own understanding, and when your own understanding gets blown up, what do you do? When you thought you had what was supposed to happen in the future, and that gets blown up, what do you do? And it comes back to this trust in the Lord with all your heart. I tell you, there was a song I listened to quite often. I listened to it so much, my four-year-old started singing this song with me. It's a song um, by Lauren Daigle, and I'm going to put the words up for you. I'm sure you've heard it. I'm not going to sing it to you. It says, when you don't move the mountains, I needed you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I'll trust in you. As far as I know, my own understanding can pray for certain things. These mountains need to go. I mean, some of you, maybe you've been, you've been trying to have a kid for a long time. You're like, okay, God, it's time for the mountain to move. It's time for the pregnancy to happen. It's time for us to have a kid. It's time for, for you to part these waters, give us a kid. It's time for you to answer our prayers, and it's, and it's not working, right? I will trust. I will trust. I will trust in you. He's building our faith to trust in him move away from worry and anxiety, and to trust him. And if things aren't going in the way that you had planned for your future, you can trust him today. And it's not a passive trust. It is an act of trust. It is an act of faith where we not just sit around and go, oh, nothing's happened in my life. There's no movement, no moment. No, we're doing something. We're seeking kingdom priorities. And this brings us to the last great verse Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is the king. He desires people to come under his reign and for his righteousness to spread on this earth. He's calling you to prioritize his kingdom and his righteousness. He'll take care of your needs, he'll take care of your life, he'll take care of your future. But you need to focus on aligning your priorities with kingdom priorities. I want to make sure you get this. We'll make sure you get this. Jesus is not saying do not worry so you can have a nice psychological boost. Do not come up and say, Pastor, that was a really good passage. Thanks for the psychological boost. If you're coming to church for a little psychological boost or pick me up, don't, don't come. <laughs> don't come. He's, he's not talking about that. He's like, I don't want you to worry or be anxious because I got an agenda for you. And the agenda is for you to seek kingdom priorities, to seek my kingdom and my righteousness and see it spread on this earth. He wants you involved in something. He doesn't want you to just feel better. Okay, I'm not worried for today, for this minute. No, he wants you to do something. That's seeking his kingdom. And basically, when you're seeking his kingdom, you're saying, okay, I'm going to start getting preoccupied with what you say I should be preoccupied with. Might be preoccupied and obsessed about a lot of things, your present, your future. But you say, let's, let's talk about what I think you should be preoccupied with. 
And let's just get real specific. Let's get real specific. If the Word of God says, which it does, that God desires that people know Him. If the Word of God says that God desires that no one should perish and go to hell, but they should come to faith in Jesus and be reconciled. If that is God's priority for people to be reconciled to Him through faith in Jesus, then it should be our priority to tell others about Christ, right? I mean, sure, yes, go to work, do it with excellence. Sure, go hang out with your kids and, and do it with excellence. Yes, go to school, be the best student you can be, work hard. That could be glorifying to God. That could be seeking kingdom priorities. But keep in mind, God cares for people. And when you turn to the left or to the right, these fellow students of yours who are stressing out over their exams, a lot of them don't know Jesus. When you go to work and you're cranking 60 to 80 hours alongside of people, a lot of those people don't know Jesus. And it is God's priority for you to open your mouth and to tell them about Christ because God desires people to come under his reign because he is the king. And he desires more and more to come into his kingdom. So what's part of his priorities? Tell others about Christ. It's not that hard. Just open up your mouth. Tell people about Jesus. If he's impacted you, tell them. Seek first the kingdom of God. But you see the tagged on part, he says, and his righteousness. Now, this is the part. We understand the evangelism part, but maybe we don't understand this part. God desires mercy and justice to reign on this earth. God desires mercy and justice to reign on this earth. And there is plenty of injustice, and there's plenty of lacking in mercy. And if that is his priority, it should be your priority as well. And we could talk about a variety of activism, and we could talk about financially giving to those causes that promote justice and mercy, and we could talk about those things, and I think we should, but I just want to talk to you one-on-one about your personal involvement with people who are hurting, your personal involvement with those who are vulnerable. Our church wants to stress over and over again that we want you involved with vulnerable children. We want you involved with senior citizens who have no one to hang out with them. And I, I don't want to say, look, we've created all these programs so that they're optional for you. We really haven't done that, okay? I'd rather see a people programmed for good works rather than here's some programs that are optional. I want to see you moving into people's lives who are vulnerable and need help, and you're there to encourage them, not just with the gospel, but also with you're getting your hands dirty and you're being involved with their lives. You see, in the midst of my worry over this sabbatical, something unexpected. Um, God gave uh, us an opportunity to take in a 12-year-old boy just for two weeks. And this 12-year-old boy was, um, he's he's technically classified as homeless. He's come and live with us. Now, during this time, I was worrying about my church. I was worrying about my own kids, and I was worrying about my health. But as I was reading the Word, I it seemed like the word was telling me, if I'm, if I'm understanding this passage correctly, that, that life is more than just my church. Life is more than just my kids. And life is more than just my health. And basically what I was doing, I was just preoccupied with my own security. I came to a point where I've got to get, get to this point where I said, okay, God, you're going to take care of my concerns. You're going to take care of those things. But I need to be open. And you need to be open 
to how God might want you and want me to branch out and take part in his priorities that extend beyond my immediate concerns. Because if we're just stuck with my immediate concerns, my church, my family, my health, that injustice and lack of mercy will continue to reign. We've got to move beyond just focusing on my concerns and get to a point where we say, okay, God, you got those things. You got those things. Now stir me up. Here I am. I want to seek your priorities. And so I say it again, turn your worldly preoccupation into kingdom prioritization. I read way too many books on the sabbatical. Shouldn't have read so many. Probably just, a lot of them just say the same thing. And I find that in my reading, there's something in me that is searching for a solution to my life, searching for a solution to my problem. You ever read, you're thinking, man, I need, to, I need a fix here. And basically what I think what I was searching for is I was searching for a killer app for my life. I want a killer app for my life that gives me a specific structure, a specific system a vision or a tweak that will catalyze the church, stabilize my family, and re-energize my life so that my future would be set. Give me something that will guarantee my future flourishing. Is that what you want? Just give me something. I just want to, I want to be guaranteed that I am going to flourish in the future. Maybe that's, that's what you want. You're so worried about what's going to happen next. And, and you just, just give me that app and it's just going to be set. Turn your worldly preoccupation into kingdom prioritization. Let God be your killer app in the provision that he supplies and his sovereignty and his timing and under his love and care for you. He died for you. And by faith, you come into relationship with him and he's not going to create you and save you and then leave you hanging. God is for you, and he's not against you. And he's wanting to get you caught up into so much more than you're focused on right now. He said, come on, get caught up. Life is more than when you're preoccupied. It's more than what you're obsessing. There's so much more going on. Come on, seek me. Seek my kingdom. And trust me to take care of the rest. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you are impressing upon us through your word just the joy that we can trust you to care for us. And so I pray for my brother or sister right now who is anxious about a lot in life. They would would come to a point right now where they would surrender. They would surrender right now. So if you're sitting there right now and you're anxious about a relationship or if you're anxious about something that's going on at your work, or your future, just right now, where you're at, talk to God and offer up a prayer of surrender. Tell him simply, I surrender.
Father, hear the prayer of your children. May they surrender. May they surrender to you, the one who loves them and died for them. May they surrender their lives to you. And Lord, if there's someone here who does does not know you, and they know nothing but anxiety and worry, they know nothing about worldly preoccupation, that's what their whole life's been about. May they surrender to you in faith. May they just hand their whole life over to you and find forgiveness in the cross of Christ. Lord, just let us see that there is so much more that you're calling us to get caught up in beyond what we are obsessing over on a daily basis. Help us to see there are people who need you. Help us to see there are people who need mercy and justice. Show us our place. In Jesus' name, amen.